Welcome back. You are listening to Tuned In with Intersys, hosted by Johnny Romero. This is episode number five, all about CCHCP. Enjoy. What drew you to go from Colorado to Seattle to, to work for the organization and a little bit about the history? Yeah, so I'll talk about what drew me first and then the history. I, um, I think after having that experience in Puerto Rico, I decided I, what I want to do is use my language skills to help people. That was my goal. That's what I got out of Puerto Rico. Um, so when I came back to Denver, I got involved with Spring Institute where I had taken an interpreter training, the Bridging the Gap training earlier, just as a person. But when I got back, I thought, you know, that was kind of the direction I want to go. So they didn't have any job openings, but I just sent my resume and said, hey, I want to work for you. Um, and sure enough, in a couple of months, a position opened up, I interviewed for it and I got it. So that's when I started working with interpreters, which was great. Um, and in all honesty, I, during that time, was also trying to work as an interpreter myself. Um, the problem was that Hungarian interpreting is just not required enough for me to be able to make a living out of it. Um, and that's also true for German and French. Um, with French, it is a little bit more needed, but it's generally not the France, European French that I learned. It's generally more African French. And then same with Spanish. My Spanish just wasn't strong enough at that point. Um, to be an effective interpreter. So because of that, I got into interpreting as a scheduler originally, kind of started working my way up from there. Um, but my favorite part of my job throughout the whole time that I was there was the classes. I loved when the people would come in from all over the world and they would be sitting there. And even when I wasn't teaching it, I would be in charge of like setting up the food and taking attendance and all those kind of supportive, supporting tasks. I would love going into the class and hearing what people had to say. So then when I had the opportunity to come to Seattle and become a trainer. I said, yes, yes, please, I want to do it. Um, and teaching the class was always my favorite part of my job. Um, as fun as it is to schedule interpreters and talk to doctors and clients and all that, it's much more fun to sit in a room and talk about culture and talk about how everyone is different and how beautiful that is. Um, so that's why, that's what drew me to this job. So when the position became available, I was glad to come to Seattle because I love the rain. My favorite color is gray. Um, and I, this was, that was my favorite part of my job. So that's what drew me. And, and I, and I want to say, now that you mentioned that, that the reason I chose to pursue becoming a BTG trainer was because of the way you taught the class. I'm not just saying that because you're here, but it, it really was kind of one of those things where like, wow, you know, I can see you were enjoying it. It was a lot of fun. And I think had I not had that experience, I probably wouldn't have had any interest in, in teaching it, but it, it really drew me in. I'm like, you know, I can probably do this. Like I could see myself having just as much fun. And um, that's kind of what I was thinking as I took the BTG class, I was like, even as, as early as, you know, taking the, the first course, I was like, yeah, you know, this would be kind of cool 
to be able to just teach this and, and have that, like you said, interaction with everybody. But, you know, I, I do appreciate the way you gave it because I think that left an impression on me that as we later had conversations, uh, I was like, and then I think you even mentioned to me, well, maybe you can consider, you know, getting a license. Yeah, you know, maybe I can do that. Um, and maybe it isn't as out of reach as I initially thought. So I appreciate um, that that first impression was significant. Look at me doing sales for a job I didn't even have at the time. <laughs> um, and then the other part of the question was the history um, of CCHCP, I assume, right? Yeah, correct. Um, so I did do a whole webinar on this. So if someone is super, super interested, we can provide them information. It was, there is a webinar through Boost Lingo um, that I did. That's basically an hour of me just talking about this. But in short, there was a grant um, back in the early 90s from the Kellogg Foundation. Um, that was given to kind of a, it was a hospital here in Seattle. And they said, hey, we have too many languages and uh, people are coming to the hospital and we can't communicate with them. Here's the grant, figure out what to do. So what these people did was they gathered stakeholders from all around the country, um, interpreters, providers, see how different people are dealing with this. Um, and that was kind of the first meeting that would later become CCHCP, NCIHC, IMIA, then NBCMI, and then CCHI, and all of the other things that kind of grew off it all kind of started with this meeting um, that happened here in Seattle, actually in the building where I work. Awesome. And, and I will add here or here uh, the links to all those acronyms. And then also, if you want to share that uh, Boost Lingo webinar, I can also add that uh, for those that want to you know, jump on that after they, they watch this uh, episode. Yeah, sure. Um, but so then basically out of that meeting came the standards, the code of ethics that we all learn about in classes like Bridging the Gap. It's also where kind of this whole curriculum idea of the roles of the interpreter came from and pretty much everything you learn in Bridging the Gap. Um, so that's how it started. And then between there, they moved offices, they came back. Um, Amazon was in the building where we worked for a while. So I think they had to move out for a bit. But now it's um, all nonprofits that are related to health work. So I really like where I work because it's just a bunch of people kind of with the same goal, even if yeah. they don't really work for the same company. Awesome. Yeah, the same mission. And I think um, it's, it's very uh, satisfying to be able to help in the services that allow people to communicate and be heard and, and understood and, and all that it stands for. So um, how many, out of curiosity, uh, students have completed since the inception of the curriculum of Bridging the Gap or BTG? It doesn't have to be an exact number, but uh, more or less, how many have completed the course to date? Yeah, I had to do some research for this because I've only been here for two, 2.5 years, I guess, at this point almost. Um, so I wasn't here for all of the people who have been trained. Um, my first answer was tens of thousands. That was just my guess. Then we looked into it a little bit. I think 30 to 40,000 is maybe a little bit more accurate. Wow. Um, but I say that with a caveat of that's what we have on record. Um, there was a point in time in the early 90s, actually in the late 90s, where 
um, each organization actually issued their own certificates. So there is a significant number of certificates okay. that we actually don't have record of because they were issued by the organizations before we were able to start the database that keeps track of everything. Wow. But honestly, back then the curriculum was also different because that was before um, the class standards were developed. That was before ACA. So it was a different class. Well, that's, that's really impressive. And I think, um, you know, it, it goes into uh, how it's being not just utilized, but also respected in, in that space as pioneers of, you know, the standards, uh, the code of ethics and, and all that's involved. Um, and of course, for those of you watching that are interested, you can go to the website, CCHCP, you can find uh, an agency near you that uh, offers the course uh, if you're not in Seattle or if you're not in Colorado. Um, and, you know, you can definitely find uh, available courses. Uh, and a lot of them kind of leads into my, my next point here uh, of about how the pandemic and all this kind of has affected a lot of the in-person training. Um, but before that, you know, let me ask a question that a lot of people may be already thinking. It isn't the only course available. Um, there are other classes, obviously, that are uh, offered, you know, as far as professional medical interpreting goes. What makes the BTG curriculum unique or, or stand out? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was also going to say is um, I actually think it's great that there is more people working on this too, right? That it's not just one person at the top saying this is how it is because collaboration this diversity is great, is where we find innovation. So um, what I wanted to say is, yes, I really like that there's a lot more courses out there and that there's different perspectives. Um, one of my favorite parts of this role is actually that I have to do a lot of continuing education, as in take continuing education, so I get to learn. And I love seeing all of the other courses and contents that other people develop. I like taking part in it. I think Bridging the Gap has its spot in all of this, in this world of all of the different training offerings. And I think that spot that makes it special, that gives it its own spot is the first part is that it's standardized. It has been the curriculum that's taught the same way across all of the different areas where we teach. And I think that's a really important part of it um, because it's a good building block for everyone to start from. And then we can get into all of these different continuing education topics and specializations. As long as everyone kind of has the same basic understandings and is able to communicate in the same vocabulary. Um, which brings me to the trainers who train it. Um, I think the fact that the trainers have to qualify to be able to teach. So we vet the trainers and make sure that we support the trainers, um, which I, I'm not training for any other company, so I can't speak to how much they support their trainers and what they do. Um, but at least that's how I see my role is making sure that the other trainers are able to do it, um, what they need to. And then for the class itself, what made it different to me from other classes or other presentations I've seen is the interaction, which of course with online training had to be pulled back a little bit. Um, but when it was in person, um, some of the medical terminology, which is kind of a little bit boring sometimes, but when we did it in class, it was, I remember I always brought props and stuff and we were throwing things and dancing and all this stuff, which I think right. it, a much more fun way to learn it, especially for adult learners. It's a little bit out of the box. 
you mentioned a little bit about the in-person and then the adjustments um, that you've made for those classes. It kind of leads into a little bit more specific with the pandemic, right? That we've all kind of been adjusting to constantly over the past year and a half, I believe already, which is uh, crazy. Uh, how has that impacted the CCHCP and its available programs? Because we know that BTG isn't the only program that CCHCP also offers. Um, many of the viewers can go online and see some of the other courses, but uh, what's been the impact there and, and how has the CCHCP adjusted? Yeah, so I think like many other um, companies and nonprofits, um, at first we had to cancel everything. Um, we had planned, like we had rooms reserved for the trainings and all of that. Um, I was actually in the middle of the training, the training of trainers for the equity and inclusion program. Um, and unfortunately we had to stop the class halfway through and we had people at that point in Seattle who had traveled um, to take the course from different parts of the country who had to then kind of emerge mm -hmm. travel back. So that was how it started. And then we were kind of trying to figure out what to do for a bit, seeing how long things would last. And then of course, like everyone else, we have to go online and we have to pivot. Um, and that's when we started the whole online training thing, which honestly was something that we needed to do. People wanted online training. People have wanted online bridging the gap for a while. So in a way it was kind of an impetus that, I, I don't wanna say it was a good thing, um, but it was a good, it was one good outcome of um, the pandemic is that we now do have this um, capability. So that was the first thing for, for bridging the gap was great. Now we have online training and just trying to make it more effective. The equity and inclusion side of things was a little bit more interesting um, because they were affected by the pandemic because um, the pandemic highlighted a lot of health disparities. So a lot of hospital systems started to get much more interested in how do we have a COVID approach that's more respectful of people's values? How do we target these um, at-risk communities? And um, then of course we had um, the murder of George Floyd. We had Black Lives Matters protests, which even more highlighted this disparity and this racial uh, inequality that we have in our country. Um, and because of that, a lot more hospital systems became interested in this equity and inclusion service. So um, a lot of places began to do their organizational assessments, for example, to try to see, you know, what are what is the staff thinking? How can we react? to these things. So they actually got um, a, a bit busier than they had been before, um, kind of in reaction to the pandemic. Right. So I don't wanna say that the pandemic was great, but I think it did force people to do some things that they may have not done otherwise because there wasn't a clear in front of your face need for it. Sure, no, I agree. I think that um, silver lining is, you know, it kind of brought to the fore the need for those services and the value of that as well, because uh, just in general, I think, uh, you know, I've worked for corporate in my previous uh, work career, and there was always uh, an aversion or um, a kind of frowning upon working from home, you know, it's that old kind of brick and mortar come to the office and work through lunch and, you know, grind it out. And then now you had this complete paradigm shift of there is no other option. <laughs> you have to work from home. And then, you know, so I think there hopefully will be at some point post pandemic, whenever that hopefully sooner than later, 
there's going to be a happy medium, medium, I think, in between of understanding that. And I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback to that effect that there really won't be a going back to what the normal was before. It'll be a new normal and that people are going to you know, see the benefit of having that hopefully a better work-life balance uh, and being able to use uh, the virtual, you know, um, you know, methods to communicate, to work effectively. And I think for our industry, language access specifically, um, it's, it's definitely been something where I, I, I saw an increase exponentially. And I think that moving forward, even um, now it's like, oh, you know what, if it's, you know, six inches of snow and it's going to be snowing all day here in, in Colorado, do we really need to meet in person? <laughs> you know, so I think that's kind of like the, the light bulb now of like, you know, this is actually pretty good, even possible. Pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> we can do this. So I think there's going to be some, hopefully some gains there in regards to, again, safety um, and, and a lot of application, I think, where everyone's kind of like, yeah, this is actually something valuable. We probably should have been doing it uh, a lot more than waiting for a, you know, something catastrophic like a, a pandemic to, to force us to do it. And that kind of leads to my question of what you've seen as far as trends um, over the past year, year and a half regards to language access, the need for trained professional medical interpreters. Uh, what, what have those been, if you've seen any that uh, you'd like to share? Yeah, so I think. Thanks for watching and listening. Please like and subscribe and don't forget to smash that bell for notifications. <laughs>